Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Rod Pepping. We are wrapping up our series uh, called Reach. So every year we do this series where we talk about how do we reach the neighborhoods and the nations. And so this week is the last of that week. Uh, If you've been here for a few weeks, you know that week one, we had Yathis Johnson here and he really talked about how do we love our neighborhoods, right? How how do we reach out? uh, How do we have a city at peace with God? Week two, David Hearn talked about waiting on the Holy Spirit during the week of Pentecost, right? Where, where we talked about, man, we, we can't do anything in our own power, but we want to do everything in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then last week, Matt Clayson talked about you don't know until you go. Kind of that idea of we want to reach the nations. And now it's week four and everything's been said. So I was thinking, how do I, uh, it's, it's about reaching the neighborhoods and nations, that's been said, how do, I, how do we deal with that, how do we walk through that? Uh, and, and I started to think, uh, what is it like when not only we're reaching the neighborhoods and nations, but what do we do when the neighborhoods and nations come to us? And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be looking at, at four different groups of people that are, that are coming through our doors at any given week and, and how we deal with that. Before I start with that, though, I want to tell you, I love massages. I love great service. I love great food. I love to be served. And so do you. In fact, I would say this. Somebody famously once said, a fish doesn't know it's wet. And I would say the same thing is true about us. We don't even know that we're such consumers because we swim and we live in this consumer culture. Now, this is a robe and it's not mine and I promised I wouldn't ruin it. So I'm not going to totally put it on. But I want to talk about what I'm going to call today the robe mentality. This idea that, that we love to be served. Think about kind of the comfy robe and maybe a spa or whatever. But we love this, this idea of the robe mentality. We love to be served. Now, there's nothing wrong with love being served. I said earlier, I love that. The, the problem is, is when we start to think that we deserve it at every turn. In other words, when we think that everybody else is on this planet to serve us, and we walk through life very entitled and served. Now, that may not happen to you, but, but think of how do you react when you have really bad service as a restaurant? Or what happens when you feel like you're not getting good customer service and you think that the customer is always always right, even though you may be wrong, but you know that the customer is always right, so you get indignant about it. Now, I'm sure you, you know that that never creeps into the church. As a pastor for years, I've heard all of these different things. Rod, I really, you know, I really like the worship, but that teaching just you know, I, I don't know, there's just something missing. Or Rod, man, you know, the preaching is on point, but the, the music, you know, it's new and I don't really know the songs or it has drums or, you know, it's like, uh, I, I don't really like that. I don't connect with this worship leader, but I'll come when that worship leader leads. And, you know, because it's really important that I get fed with my worship. That's another one. Uh, you know, the church just doesn't feed me. I want to be fed or, or, you know, I don't really like the children's church or I want kids to be with me or I don't want my kids to be with me. You know, Rod, I really like what's going on in the sanctuary, but you know, the youth, um, they just, my kids don't connect to it. And so we're going to have to go find another place. And the question is, do you really think that we are here to serve you? 
And I would say maybe that's true. Maybe not all of you. Maybe some of you are are very servant-minded and you don't think that way. But I think a lot of people walk in the doors of a church and think, oh, this is just like any other place. The customer's always right. You're here to serve me. And the question is, what would Jesus say to that? Now, I could be wrong, but I think Jesus is asking us to hang up the robe and pick up the towel. I think we want a towel mentality. Now, this towel can represent many different things. I mean, you may think of a waiter or somebody washing the feet. Maybe you're a spouse who has had to care for another spouse over years, um, and you've had to clean them up. And so this towel just represents a little bit of everything, but serving others is what we're going to talk about today. And it's the towel mentality. Now, like I said, I could be totally wrong. You tell me what you think when Jesus says this, what you think he means. Matthew 20, 28, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Or Matthew 20, 16. So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. What Jesus is saying is that he has the heart of serving other people. Even Jesus came to serve others. So the question is, wouldn't we want to serve others? Wouldn't, that want, wouldn't we want that heart of service to be like that? Now, I love the idea that Jesus relates to us so well. One of my favorite scriptures is in Colossians, uh, and it says this. Do we not have that scripture? Okay, so it says this. Colossians 1.24, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the suffering of Christ that continues from his body, the church. I, I, I want you to hear that and I want you to listen. What Paul is saying is this, is when the church suffers, so does Jesus. That's an amazing thing. Now, some of you may be small business owners and maybe, so maybe you understand that when the business suffers, I suffer, but maybe some of you work for the state or you work for a big corporation and you're like, man, it's too bad that they're suffering. At least I'm okay. But Jesus says this, when the church is persecuting, you're persecuting me. When the church is suffering, when the church is hurting, when the church is divided, when the, when the church is broken, I feel broken too. Now, Jesus doesn't just say that on a corporate level. He says that on a very intimate, personal level, which is another amazing thing. He talks in Matthew 25 about the, he tells this story about the king returning, right? And he says, listen, I'm gonna, there's gonna be a line down the middle and there's gonna be sheeps on one side and goats on the other. In other words, what he's saying is there's gonna be a separation and there is a judgment coming. There is heaven and there is hell and that he deals with both. In fact, at one side he turns and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And the other side he turns and says, flee from me because me, I never knew you. And then he, then he ties it into service. And I want you to hear this because it's a really amazing thing. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. I don't want us to theologically go off a cliff and start to think we earn our way to heaven. But, but he basically tells the righteous or the people he says, well done, good and faithful servant. He says, way to go that you clothed me, you took care of me, you, you housed me, you did all this. And they said, uh, when did we do that? In fact, let me read it right here. He said, then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. 
That is a fascinating piece of scripture. It, it says a couple things. One, it says, when you're going through very difficult times, Jesus is with you. When you are hurting, Jesus hurts. We don't serve and love a God who uh, is very distant in our lives. He feels and walks through pain and struggles with you. If you're struggling in your marriage, Jesus is there with you. If you're struggling with children, Jesus is there with you. Now, the other thing that is amazing is he says, not only is he with you, but when you serve one another, you're serving him. And so this is what it is saying. If you love God, you will start to love like God. If you serve God, you will start to serve like God. And I think that that is the piece that we want to see. So the question naturally comes to mind when we read that scripture. It's, it, the question is this. What if the least of these come here? What if the least of these that we're always trying to serve out there start to walk through our doors? Jesus says this, or Paul says this about Jesus in Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing of, from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of other. Have this mind among yourself, which is in yours in Christ Jesus, whom, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born the likeness of men. See, here's what that scripture is saying. Here's what Philippians is talking about. He's saying this, that out of everybody in the universe, Jesus deserves a robe. He deserves to be served and cared for. But what did Jesus do? He came and he hung up the robe and took the towel. He totally traded in the robe mentality for the towel and he came to serve us. So I'm gonna talk about four people uh, or four people groups that we encounter uh, each week at Salem Alliance and how um, we want to encounter them with, with the towel mentality. The first one is Broadway Life Center or we would call BLC. I mean, you know, churches have more acronyms than almost the military, right? We just, we have our own language. We kind of talk our own way. If you hear somebody say BLC, what they're talking about is Broadway Life Center, which is uh, over in Broadway Commons in our community center. Twice a week, we do language classes. We teach English as a second language. We teach uh, um, uh, sign language for families, and we teach a working Spanish class. We have over 100 students over there, and it goes on. It is a great program. Let me read you a scripture and then I'm going to tell you why I have this, uh, why I'm highlighting this ministry. Leviticus 19.34, the stranger who resides with you shall be with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. The question I've been asked almost more than any other question over the last six months is this question. Rod, what are we doing for the refugees? There is a refugee crisis. I'm seeing it on the news. Rod, how can I be involved with what's going on in the refugee situation? I want to make sure that I am caring for them. Well, let me tell you what you can do. In fact, you may not know this, but they're coming to Portland, and because of the price of housing in Portland, they're actually settling in Salem. And we know uh, they don't have exact numbers because it's just the way the government works, but um, we know that we're getting between 30 and 100 refugee families that are settling into the Salem area over the next year. 
Now, many people start to think, oh, they're Syrian refugees, but actually that's not true. They're from, uh, they can be from Somalia, the Congo. They can be kind of all over. It takes a long time for them to get vetted in here. Um, but when people ask me, what do I do for the refugees? I say this, join us in what we're already doing. We're already doing something for them. Catholic services has said that they want us to be the first point for them to learn English. So they'll be coming in to Broadway Life Centers that will be helping teach them English. The kids program will be helping their kids learn English. It's, it's a great way to get involved. And in fact, I love this. I was at a, a, a a BLC executive team meeting the other day, uh, and one of the, the board members, Stephen, said this to me. He said, Rod, I love that I get to have conversations with people from five different regions in one night. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, we have people in Broadway Life Center that are from the Congo. He said, we have Hispanic people there. We have a, a student right now from Saudi Arabia. We have somebody from Ukraine, and we have many Russians among us. And so I, I just sat there and went, how amazing when we're called to reach the nations that the nations are coming to us. What a neat thing. And, and what more would we want as we see refugees walk in but to meet somebody that has a towel mentality, that, see, that meets somebody that wants to serve them and care for them. I think that is a great way to do that in a great place. So not only uh, do we want to meet people, uh, refugees with a towel mentality, the next thing we want to do is meet children, especially special needs children with a towel mentality. Now I have asked Jessica Brister to come up uh, and fill us in on what is going on um, with the special needs ministry. So hi, Jessica. Hello. Uh, Jessica is our special needs ministry. Um, and so you are the special needs coordinator. Yes. So what does that mean? What exactly do you do? Well, hey, everyone. Yes, I'm the special needs coordinator here, and I am super passionate about coming alongside children and families um, with special needs to help provide support through one-on-one um, -on -one buddies or our special needs class um, so that everyone can come and learn and worship and serve here. So you've been here about six to nine months. Uh, I know life has been very slow for you in the ministry. So <laughs> actually tell us, how, how has this ministry expanded over your last six to nine months? Well, yeah, I came on board at um, the beginning of September, at which time we had um, six special needs volunteers serving between two families. And we had a waiting list of several kids um, needing a buddy to start attending. Um, we currently now have 30 um, volunteers um, serving 30 children and um, new families contacting us monthly, if not weekly, some months to start attending. Man, so God has just expanded this ministry, kind of exploded it. Yes. Uh, so how have you seen God moving in all of that? Oh gosh, I could give you so many stories um, of how God is moving in this ministry. Um, one family in particular, um, is the Hoppy family, um, who's been attending Sam Alliance for over um, 20 years. Um, Aspen and Lisa have um, four kids, um, and while pregnant with their fourth child named Charlie, um, it was a perfect, perfect healthy pregnancy. They, they even just saw him on the ultrasound playing with his feet. Um, it was just three days um, before Lisa's scheduled C-section date um, when Charlie stopped moving. And within 22 minutes of realizing um, that Charlie was having a really hard time breathing, he was born. And Lisa saw her just sweet, precious baby boy over that blue sheet, um, just limp and purplish. 
And the, Charlie suffered from oxygen deprivation, which led to brain damage, um, causing him to have cerebral palsy, um, epilepsy, and developmental delays. And um, the doctors told Aspen and Lisa that because the brain damage was so severe that um, Charlie would never be able to do anything or have a relationship with anyone or even know that um, they were his parents. Um, they heard repeated recommendations to um, institutionalize Charlie to make life easier on them as a family. And they knew they could never do that and that he was a part of their family um, here for a reason and that they loved him. So um, fast forward um, nine years, and I meet with Lisa and Charlie's two older sisters, Abby and Abby, uh, because they were sitting in church and heard that um, kids with special needs were on a waiting list and that they needed a buddy to start attending. So they met with me for the sole purpose of helping and serving other families, um, because they too, they, they know the sadness that can come with having a child and a sibling not able to come all together as a family. So as we met, we, we talked about what would it look like if Charlie started attending, and, and we knew that it had to be a volunteer with a lot of experience and a specific skill set um, to meet Charlie's needs. And that very next hour, so I met with them at 9.30, that very next hour at 11, I met with a new volunteer named Naomi, and she had experience doing exactly what Charlie needed and said she would love to start working with him. So just like that, after nine years of not being able to attend church, um, Charlie is now able to come every week with his family and attend C1 um, with Naomi. And um, while at the same time, um, Charlie's two sisters, Abby and Evie, serve with a little guy in C1 that allows an entire family of eight to be able to come all together. And... Um, as you can see, this is Charlie on his um, 10th birthday, actually, with us in C1, and he is full of life, um, absolutely able to um, communicate and have relationships with people, and he is, just has this infectious smile and just radiates um, joy, and we just love having him with us. Awesome. I, I love that story of, of a family who has a towel mentality comes to you and then we actually end up serving them. I think that's such a great story. But uh, you see Charlie and you start to think, or at least I do, and, and maybe you do too, man, I'm not educated in this area. How can I really serve? Um, is, is there really any way that I can get involved? So what would you tell us uh, as a congregation? How could we get involved in your ministry? Um, well, out of the 30 volunteers, really most of them um, did not have special needs experience. Um, but what they do have is a huge, huge heart of compassion and love. And that is the most important thing. Um, that is our mission in this ministry is to love others well. Not because of special needs, but because that is God's highest priority. And um, that is what led us to the new name of this ministry, which is now called GLOW. And um, because of the nature of GLOW, and we have new families coming to us from all over our city, from other churches, um, all around to be a part of this. And each child um, does need a 101 buddy to start attending. And so new volunteers are crucial to meet that need and just to keep loving our current families well here. Man, Jessica, thank you so much for all you do here at Salem Alliance. We just so appreciate and, and we'll uh, continue to pray blessing on you as this ministry continues to expand. Uh, would you give her a hand?
I remember when we hired Jessica and I told her, hang on, because when you're the one church in the community that can meet special needs children, you're going to find that they come from all over. And, and I love the idea that we have parents coming, uh, maybe who aren't even believers, but they, they feel like this is a place where they're drawn to and their kids are cared for and they trusted that. So they get to come and hear the news of Jesus without being worried or, or families who haven't been able to worship together for years and years get to worship together uh, because we're caring for and we have the talent mentality for children with special needs. Uh, the, ne- the next one uh, that uh, is just a, another great ministry where we see we not only get to see refugees come our way, but special needs children walk through the door. We also see the uninsured that are coming to us in streams. We're also seeing the working poor that are coming, and, and we serve them in a place called the Salem Free Clinic. So if you would watch this video about Salem Free Clinics, then we'll talk about it. I worked for FedEx for um, in between 25 and 30 years, and uh, when early retirement was um, proposed to me, I jumped all over it because my wife and I, we've had a lifelong dream of being able to through-hike the entire length of the Pacific Crest Trail, which is 2,666.2 miles. But it's, it's been a lifetime goal for us, and my wife and I have always had very good health, and so when this opportunity came up, we really looked forward to it. Unfortunately, I was having respiratory problems, um, problems of fatigue, and that's kind of where I started getting my first um, um, hints that, that maybe I wasn't doing too good. At that time, a friend had mentioned some things about the, um, the Salem Free Clinic, and um, uh, so I, I called them up. I had no idea I was sick, so I just simply said I was looking for a, um, a checkup. Mark was the last patient on a fairly busy day there, and I'm not sure if he truly wanted to be there or if his wife made him, I don't recall. But he came in, and I recall him looking rather pale. He was not necessarily wanting to have any medical care, but was certainly frustrated with how he'd been feeling. Uh, Mark was really, really pale and described something that might make me think of heart problems. And so the more I talked to him, the more I was convinced that he really needed some help. Uh, As it turns out, we did have an EKG machine there. Dr. Stageman hooked me up to the uh... Um, to this machine and took a reading and uh, immediately he says um, you've already had one heart attack he says there's also some other abnormalities on the uh, on the reading that are very troubling to me and my jaw hit the ground I was worried that he might get around to actually going to the emergency department when it suited him. He says, to be honest with you, you need to go to the ER room right now because you're in critical condition. And so I wanted to make sure that he made it. And I was also concerned about his safety with driving. So Dr. Stageman asked me if I had a ride to the ER. And I, 
I told him that, you know, I am here by myself, but I can drive myself to the emergency room. He says, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, uh, be able to let you do that um, because I believe you're in that critical condition. It was the end of the day. I was happy to drive him to the hospital. When we arrived at the ER, he told me just wait in the car. The next thing I know, I'm, I'm uh, admitted to the hospital and, and, uh, and I'm in the, uh, the IMCU, which is the intermediate care unit. It turned out that um, I had uh, the one heart attack uh, sometime in the past. I don't know exactly when. And I had uh, another heart attack while I was in the hospital. And then it was, uh, I was informed that I had a, a blood clot in my heart and that the bottom part of my heart was, was dead. How often have you had a doctor take you a ride to ER himself? Never. I mean, it was just, it was definitely a God thing, you know? Well, I had a heart attack while I was in the hospital, so where would I have been when I had the second heart attack? That's the major question I asked myself, you know, almost on a daily basis. So it's quite possibly I, I could not be sitting here in this chair talking to you or even on this earth anymore. I think if it wasn't for the clinic, uh, Mark's anemia probably would have resulted in heart damage and he probably would have died. That was the last time I saw Dr. Stageman and I really, um, I had this strong desire that I needed to tell him thank you for what he had done for me because that was certainly going out of his way um, to help another person out. The Salem Free Clinic is a fantastic opportunity for the community of Salem and the physicians and medical professionals of Salem to show how they care for people. I'm, I'm truly blessed for the experience I had there and I thank them very much for that. What a great example of a towel mentality, right? A doctor who, who serves at the Salem Free Clinics. Now, the Salem Free Clinics is not a ministry of Salem Alliance, although it is in, in our building and, and we do a lot for it. Let, let me give you uh, some statistics that are awesome. Over the last year, 500 and, uh, or I'm sorry, 5,500 patients have been seen over the last year. Uh, 400 volunteers from over 60 churches in the area volunteer there. Uh, there's 75 nurses and 50 doctors that serve at any given time at the Salem Free Clinics. Uh, I, I love this. 1,300 patients last year requested prayer. Now, one of my favorite statistics about the Salem Free Clinic is this, that not only 1,300, so there's a certain percentage of everybody who walks in the door that requests prayer, but people that are going to the dental clinic, it's 100% of them that request prayer. <laughs> you feel them, don't you? You're like, well, heart attack maybe, but going to have a dentist look at me, I need some prayer. Uh, my favorite statistic from the Salem Free Clinics is this. Last year alone, 141 people made commitments to follow Jesus Christ through ministries at the Salem Free Clinics. How awesome. Yeah, absolutely.
I love that. I, what, such another great place of, of, uh, of, a, of a towel mentality at Salem Alliance. He is the Salem Free Clinic, says the underinsured and working poor come to us. Uh, so the, the question I really want to ask you is this. Who are the least of these? As we say, man, we're here. Uh, whatever you've done for the least of these, who are the least of these? Jesus said this in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So I guess that means you and me, that we're all the least of these. I don't want to leave this morning with this idea of, oh, I'm going to put on the, the towel mentality and I'm going to go serve those people. Or man, I'm here to serve them. And, and we, we can turn it into to an ethic of, of humanitarianism or, or servanthood, right? Where we're just there to serve them. But the truth of the matter is this, we all need to be served and cared for. You may not know this, but the church doors, I think, are one of the scariest places to walk through on all of this earth. If you maybe went to church as a kid and you didn't come back to church for many years or you've never walked through the doors, uh, it can be scary. I'm telling you, I didn't grow up in the church. I remember as a 30-year-old guy walking through the doors of the church, and it was scary. Now, this is what you, you may know this, you may not. Most people don't win the lottery and say, I'm going to church, <laughs> right? It's not like a Disneyland thing. People walk through the doors like I walked through the doors many years ago, broken, thinking there's got to be something more than this. Maybe a, a, a tough marriage, maybe a kids are, are acting up or doing something, or, or maybe it's just kind of they're on their last straw and they're like, man, maybe, maybe there's something at church that, that I need. And so people walk through our doors every day, and I'm going to tell you there is nothing better than having a friendly face at the door just greeting people while I'm saying, glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Is there, is there any way I can help you out? Because like I said earlier, we speak our own language, right? There's C1, there's C2, there's crash, there's ride. You're like, what in the world? Where do I go? And so to have friendly people that are out there ushering and greeting and taking care as you're walking in and say, no, here, let me, let me walk you down. Let me check your kids and let me help you with that is such a big deal. Watch this video really quick about somebody who's been doing that for a while and then we'll talk about this. is Virginia Stapleton and I have been coming to Salem Alliance for almost a year now and I've been on the greeting team for a few months and um, when we came to Salem Alliance we were in a lot of need. I come from a very large family and from a very young age um, I was molested um, starting around five years old or so and going until about ten and uh, that puts a lot of interesting quirks into your life and into your story and your personality. It kind of evolves into something all its own. And um, my vice was control. I had to control everything. And um, right before we came to Salem Alliance, God took all that control out of my hands and it was really scary. Um, our worlds pretty much fell apart and uh, we landed here and it's been an amazing journey. So how I got started in greeting is that my oldest daughter, who's six um, and very shy, wanted to greet. Uh, one day when we walked through, she said, 
mom, that's something I want to do. And of course, I dove on any opportunity to get her, um, you know, interacting with other people. So we signed up to do this. And I thought, oh, how great this is going to be for her. We signed up and we started. And um, all of a sudden, I just started getting more and more revelations about how my recovery is going to be aided in my service here as a greeter. We have this amazing God who designed an amazing brain that is able to handle so much hurt and pain in this world. The one part of our brain that never stops growing is um, the right frontal cortex of the brain, and that's your joy center. And that's um, where God just really works on healing and redeeming and saving us from this mess um, of trauma and pain that is, happens to us all throughout our lives. When that joy center is is working, um, you're really making eye contact with people. You're, there's good physical touch where you're shaking hands or giving a hug when it's necessary, or um, just looking them in the eyes and speaking truth to them, speaking to them as a person, as a real person, um, seeing them for who they are, the hurt and pain. I know I'm not the only one who's broken, we're all broken. For me, it's just so powerful to be able to spark that joy center in somebody coming in, and it also sparks it for me. So I'm being healed, and other joy centers are being ignited, and then they're walking into church, and they're sitting down and hearing God's Word. And I just feel like I'm doing what I can to set them up for success, um, to help God really be able to work in their life, and for their heart to be softened, their ears to hear the Word, and it's just been a lot of fun. I would just encourage anybody, even if you're feeling that you're too broken or you can't be used or utilized, um, but that's not true. Um, you can, there's always a place to serve and in serving, you can find so much healing for yourself and, and possibly even for others. What a great story. Uh, not only is she uh, working with a towel mentality, uh, she's bringing her daughter along with her. Uh, I have a daughter who just loves to serve. Uh, she's just always kind of, you know, over the last few years, really kind of developed this ethic of serving. And I've had people say to me, man, Rod, I wish my son or daughter, you know, kind of had that uh, service with them. And I always laugh and, and I think and tell them, you know, she's a knucklehead just like your kids are knuckleheads, right? Like, she didn't just pop out of the womb and want to serve people. You know, the, the saying, I'm not much, but I'm all I think about, it, you know, goes for her as every other kid. <laughs> right? She's a kid. Life revolves around them. But, so, so the question is, how do you build an ethic of service with your family and with your kids? By serving together. There are many places across the, the board here at Salem Alliance that you can serve as a family, and I think it's great. Uh, there are many times I've gone to feed Salem, and I've told Lucy, come on, you're going with me, and she says, I don't want to go. And I say, I know, get in the car anyway, and we're going, right? And so we go, and we always have a good time together and serve, and by building that ethic of service over time, uh, people start to get that whole idea of a towel mentality, and it starts to creep into every part of your life, and, and you find that, that it's much 
easier. Uh, that I mean, we all want to get served, but then you know, we all of a sudden go, oh man, I, I'm wearing the robe again. I need to put that off and put on the towel mentality. So my prayer to you as you're leaving here today would be uh, that we would be a people, as the nations and neighborhoods are coming to us, that we would be serving them well and that we would be wearing the towel well. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, thank you for your great example of a towel mentality. Lord, I just continue to think about Philippians where you, uh, being the one person who deserves to be served, set aside the robe and picked up the towel to serve us. Lord, I pray that uh, because we love you, we would love like you. And because we serve you, we would serve like you. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings you continue to give us. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.